The scattered houses of Fontenay had been badly knocked about by our own artillery, and I noticed how the stout Norman farm buildings had been incorporated into the Germans' defences as strong points, but there was no sign of their armour that had been dug in among the houses and outbuildings. Files of our own weary infantry marched by the side of our tanks or were digging into the side of the road. I pushed on for another five hundred yards, drove over a crossroads, and then led my tanks into a large field on the right-hand side of the road. I told Semkin that we were firm, and then waited, as he sent the rest of the squadron through Fontenay to join us. Neville Fern was the first to arrive, and as he was the squadron's battle captain, I dismounted from my tank and climbed up onto his vehicle to speak to him. I can't have been there for long, when movement to my right caught my attention. Travelling proud above the top of the high-banked hedge that flanked the road that I had just left were the head and shoulders of a tank commander motoring back towards the village. For a moment I thought that it must have been one of Sea Squadron's tanks, as they were securing the higher ground ahead of us. Then I caught sight of the distinctive headgear the man was wearing and the field-grey flash of the tank's paint. The hat was the black, silver-edged side cap favoured by panzer commanders, and the man wearing it was commanding a tiger tank. "'Shit!' I said to Fern. "'It's a bloody Jerry, and he's heading straight for the crossroads and A squadron!' I was already yelling at the crew to turn aim around as I took the side of the tank at a sprint and hauled myself into the turret. I screamed at the driver to get back into Fontenay as I scrambled for the headset and microphone to send a warning to Semkin over the radio, but I couldn't raise him on the net. We had broken back onto the road and were heading at full tilt back into the village when I heard the first rounds of tank fire ring out and saw billowing smoke less than two hundred yards ahead of me on the other side of the crossroads. The German tiger was already advancing down the top of the main street into Fontenay as we started to make after him. He was closing up on the bend where Christopherson had parked his unarmed headquarters tanks when Semkin's Sherman turned the corner from the opposite direction. At only sixty yards' distance from each other, it was an unanticipated meeting for both parties. Following his own principles of tank warfare, Semkin had an AP round up the spout of his 75mm. He fired first and kept on firing. Within less than a minute, Semkin's gunner had pumped six rounds into the Tiger, forcing it close into the wall of a large farm building and filling the road with the smoke from the phosphorus tracer element in the back of the AP rounds. The crews of both tanks were unable to see for the obscuring smoke, but Semkin had got his shot in first, and with the target acquired, he ordered his gunner to keep firing until they had expended ten rounds. They stopped when a report came over the radio that the crew of the Tiger had been spotted bailing out. It was all over by the time I got there, and the smoke was beginning to clear. Semkin had hit the giant tank six times at close range, but not one of the rounds from his Sherman had penetrated the Tiger's main armour. It subsequently transpired that one of the AP rounds had deflected off the Tiger's gun-mounting armour to hit the much thinner armour of the driver's turret hatch, scabbing off sparking metal from the inside. 
As a result of the impact, it is likely that the driver claimed he was hit. With his tank potentially immobilized and under fire, the commander of the Tiger then ordered his crew to bail out. Semkin had prevented another Wittmann, or Vier Bocage, taking place. There was no time to celebrate, as it was already getting late and he needed to get the rest of A Squadron forward for the attack on Roré. There was no fixed time for H-hour, the appointed time for an attack to start, as our artillery support was on call as soon as we were ready to go. I heard Semkin's voice come up on the net an instant before the fire from our guns started to crash danger close, less than 200 yards ahead of us. All stations, all stations, advance. 